Welcome to Let's Parent on Purpose. This is the podcast for parents intentionally building kids that will be a blessing to the world. My name is Jay Holland, and I want to welcome you to this special two-part podcast that we're doing, an interview with my good friend and Christian counselor, Bradley McAllister, where we're going to talk about understanding behavior in our children and then figuring out what to do with that. If some of these things intrigue you, but you can't keep up with all of the conversation, I want to invite you to check out letsparentonpurpose.com, where I'll go through some of the highlights and blog form this week. And with that, thanks so much for listening. Here we go. Let's jump into the interview. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, I have on the phone my good friend, Bradley McAllister. And um, this this should be a really good interview today. I, I know that because we've already done it one time and we actually recorded both uh, this episode and episode 46 at one time. And then for the first time that in the whole history of me doing this podcast, I accidentally deleted uh, the first interview. I deleted an entire episode before I produced it. So um, Bradley's been kind enough to rejoin me again, and we're going to pretend like it's the first one. So Bradley, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Uh, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, but you don't know yet because we're recording this right before Thanksgiving. But Bradley and I know each other. Um, Bradley, how old were you when you started coming to Fellowship Baptist Church in Barbersville, West Virginia? Um, however old you are in sixth grade. Okay, Was so like eleven or twelve. Yeah, about eleven years old. Um, so yeah, I I encountered Bradley as as a kind of a a quiet little eleven year old sixth grader, and he stayed all the way through uh, youth group when I was a youth pastor there. Um, went quite a few places together. The the backwood hills of Blaine, Kentucky, to the inner city of Baltimore, Maryland, to um, the island nation of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, had a lot of time together, didn't we, Bradley? We sure did. Yeah, and a lot of good times in our living room, too. And so it, it's been a, a neat joy that to go from Bradley being this, this little kid to this... Um, steady, confident teenager who, um, I, I remember how many talks we had with Bradley, uh, you talking about how, how come I'm always the, the friend of the girl instead of the one that they want to go after, but that seems to have worked out for you, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, once, um, once the girls got older, it worked out a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and in the end, it only matters with one of them, and, and you got quite a prize. So, um, Bradley, why don't you give a little two-minute bio of uh, yourself and, and a little bit of your background before we jump into the interview? Yeah, um, so um, I've got a lifetime of experience of being adopted. I was adopted as a baby um, and uh, so grew up um, you know, in an adopted family, always knowing that story, and so I was always intrigued by the idea of adoption and figured someday I'd give it a try. Um, so I grew up, uh, moved away from home, uh, went to college, um, got um, a master's degree in Christian counseling. Um, and then through, in that program is where I met my wife. Uh, she was also um, in the master's program for counseling. So we're a couple of counselors and you can only imagine what's, what that's like whenever we argue. Um, <laughs> it goes a little something like this. Well, you have to understand when you say it with that tone, it makes me feel, and so then I respond like this, and, you know, on we go. <laughs> um, but it's worked out pretty good. So uh, 
and I were, were kind of uniquely equipped um, to, to maybe meet some of those needs. Um, and I was at a conference and came across um, a profile where we adopted, we ended up, it took three years, but we, we adopted um, a 13-year-old boy from Ethiopia um, as our first child. Before we wow. turn 30. <laughs> so, how, so, just just in case somebody missed that, uh, yeah. this summer your adoption came through. You started it three mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, your son is how old? He's 13. 13 from Ethiopia. So, he's been in the country since, is it May or June of this year? Yeah, 2017? It's okay. And how old are you? I'm 29. <laughs> Yeah, it makes perfect sense. All right, so yeah, so it doesn't do that. So, what were you guys expecting when you um, started this? Like, what? So, you see this profile of a kid. Obviously, you know it's going to be difficult. You've you've done most of your counseling has been with international adoptions. Is that true? Um, it's probably a pretty even mix. Okay, international and domestic. Yeah. Okay. So, what did you what did you and, and your wife Brittany expect when uh, you started this process? Yeah, so we understood trauma. We understood um, how that affects the brain, how that affects development, how that impacts the way um, kids and people interact with their environment. So we were expecting, like, you know, typical kind of behaviors like that. Now, what was really interesting is um, the profile that we had was, like, perfect. You know, this was, like, the idea kind of kid or whatever and not and like we didn't know any of this we saw his picture and read like a little paragraph and we're like felt god kind of call us to him Hmm. and then as we got more information it was like he never has to be disciplined and he's very respectful he's a very hard worker he's a peacemaker he's a leader among the other kids in the orphanage and we're like oh wow why did we get this kid why didn't we get the kid (laughs) with all the issues like why didn't god call us to you know one of the harder kids and then you adopted him right (laughs) (laughs) and then we got home Right. Um, and we, you know, saw within the first week what um, being in a safe environment can do to finally release all of that emotion that was um, bottled up for, you know, nine years. And, so um, you said being in a safe environment is, is what released all of his emotions? I think so. I think, like, the safety that, that we established, I mean, early on or even as we'd begun to establish the safety uh-huh. that's whenever we started to see it's like he was safe enough to fall apart he knew that oh, okay well i would say like i think at a subconscious level it's almost like his brain told him you can fall apart now and it'll be okay wow wow so, so i we've joked before that that it you adopted a teenager but in this first uh several months you're you're getting the combination of behaviors of a teenager but also uh an elementary age boy and in some cases it feels like the the frustrations and tantrums and behaviors that you would expect from a, a baby or a toddler so would, would you agree you've kind of experienced all of that in this short span oh very much like if you can imagine we've had um you know, starting in the first couple of months, we had like a two-year-old style tantrum in a 13-year-old body. Wow. Um, uh, so, I mean, like a, a two-year-old will throw a tantrum until they cry and fall asleep. We, we had that. Um, 
it just took you know different interventions um, for a 13 year old that's much more capable of um, um, yeah like grabbing things and breaking things or that kind of thing than a two year old. Like, yeah, you think about with a two year old, you can basically put them in a crib and mm-hmm. even if they can or get right. out, you just pick them up and put them back in. Like you can you can put them in a mm-hmm. place. Um, and I've I, I've I've had those thoughts with with our youngest daughter who's got some real challenges as as she has gone berserk before of thinking what am I going to do when I'm not five times her size and I just can't physically restrain her uh, when it gets there. So Bradley, what do you do when you're not five times their size and and you still have to do some kind of restraint because they might harm themselves or others? Right, so I think the first thing that we talked about kind of as the topic for today, um, or the theme, would be behavior should make you curious. Um, so even in those, like, like the earlier periods or whatever, there was usually some warning signs. It, like, we would see a warning sign, and then it might go from, like, you know, 2 to 10, but very rarely did it go all the way from 0 to 10. So, you know... Um, the longer, the more time you spend with your kids, the more you start recognizing their triggers. Um, so you got to be cognizant of that and um, start by getting curious about the behavior and start asking like really simple questions. Um, like, hey, it seems like something's upsetting you. What's bothering you? Um, okay, let's um, let's jump back for a minute. Um, yeah. Because you, you introduced this topic, uh, Bradley, you came down and you did a training with my youth leaders at one time, and you introduced this topic of behavior should make you curious. And, and we talked about a bunch of things that day, but that's the one that stood out to me the most, because uh, as, as a parent and often as, as a youth leader, um, whenever I see behavior basically, I want to I regulate it, I want to discipline it, I want that behavior to stop. But you're mm-hmm. saying before, before, uh, before going to the solution and just trying to figure out what do I do to make this behavior stop? You're saying you, you really need to think about why that behavior is happening in the first place. Right. Would, you, would, would you go into detail right. on that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you almost think of it as like a weed. Like you don't want the weed to be there, so you you cut it um, okay. at ground level, right? Well, what happens? It grows back, right? Every time we're having those like really difficult, really aggravating. 
Okay. Um, you know, I'll, there's a couple in in my family life that I'll I'll think of. Now, I've I've got one child that that we adopted that their their brain chemistry and and wiring is so complex that uh, they're hard to use for. An, you know, I can use an extreme example for everything, but but I have another child um, who's you know in the mix. One of my one of my um, sons who just you know, he's, he's very smart. He's very talented, um, very sociable, but, but still continues to revert to like a lot of baby talk and, um, a lot, a lot more childish behaviors than what you would expect out of a, a second grader. And, and I gotta be honest, we just kind of stay frustrated with it. But, but what you're saying is, before moving to frustration and just telling him to stop, we need to start thinking about why is he reverting to these behaviors? What is he trying to achieve? What function is this serving in his life? Yeah, exactly. Um, especially if it's something like maybe maybe the first couple times you think he's just being silly. Okay, you need to stop. And then as it keeps going, now is the time to really start getting curious and thinking, all right, so when does this kind of, when does the baby talk start? You know, what are, what situations is this and what's the environment like whenever, you know, the baby talk is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, what could he be trying to accomplish? What's he trying to communicate just by talking this way or what, um, yeah, what, what could he be trying to accomplish? And then, um, like you said earlier, we want the behavior to just stop. All right, so the behavior stopping is the goal. Well, now we have to kind of partner and work with the child to get to that goal. They have to kind of help us figure out the path if the behavior is actually going to stop or change. So in that situation, maybe you like kind of jump into the the fantasy or whatever with them. And maybe you ask him questions like he's a baby. Maybe you hold him like he's a baby. Um, Maybe during that time you call him baby James, you know, whatever his name is, uh-huh. um, and kind of just see where it goes. Um, I've had, um, you know, another family that I worked with in kind of a similar situation. I think the child was seven, and they would kind of revert to baby, and they would goo-goo-ga-ga, and mom started, like, holding and rocking and talking to them like a baby. And it would go on for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and then you'd say, okay, I'm ready to be seven again. Wow. And he would I, I tell you what, I, I hear what you're saying, and in the the rational part of my brain, it makes sense. And in the emotional part of my body, the last thing on earth I want to do is is validate um, this babiness. But I so so I understand that um, some of some of what you're you're calling for here is certainly not the natural way that we would go about trying to to tackle an issue, but. But there's a reason for it, is what you're saying. There's a reason they're doing it. Right. They're they're right. getting they're getting something out of it, um, mm-hmm. and so you're not, you know, you're 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 a, you're a follower of Jesus. You you believe in the Bible, right. and as a matter of fact, you, the school you went to was a. Um, you have kind of a combination of a degree in Bible and counseling. Is is it something like that? Right. Okay, yep. so you're not saying that uh, 
these behaviors indicate that they're not sinful behaviors or there's a lack of sin. You're just saying that even if it's a sinful behavior, even like if your child starts stealing, um, if your child starts hitting kids, um, there's obviously a sin nature involved, but what's prompting that? Like what are they, what's driving that uh, specific kind of manifestation of the sin? Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, I think so. And I think that there's a lot that we can kind of pull from how Jesus interacted with sinners um, in those kinds of examples, too. Like with the woman at the well, he didn't just tell her to stop sinning. He he engaged with her. He let her know that he knew her. He knew about her sin, Uh and he was still willing to engage with her. Um, The woman caught in adultery, you know. First, he showed her love and compassion and then said, go and sin no more. Like, I don't judge you either. Go and sin no more. Mm. So. Yeah, so, you know, a couple of, of spinning thoughts, because I, I, those listening to this have kids, some of them are teenagers, some of them are children, mm-hmm. um, and I know that some of the behaviors, like chaos at the dinner table, some of that is, like, the the behavior is kind of the lack of structure put by adults, or the mm-hmm. fact that we've let things go, and so there's a competition for attention, there's, we've not reinforced mm-hmm. that, that, like, hey, we... We get affirmation by respecting each other. We get affirmation by taking turns. And so um, I I know as a parent, a lot of times, you know, I've got my own things to deal with and I've got, um, it seems like always some kind of crisis or semi-crisis with kids. And so I fail sometimes to reinforce when they're actually doing what I want them to do because it's like, well, you're doing what I'm supposed to do. Why would I pay attention? Um, And so then a kid gets attention when they're doing wrong. Um, but they don't they don't get the affirmation when they're doing right. And so is that sometimes one of the curiosities is just like if if we ignore good behavior, then they'll do some kind of behavior to get attention. Is that one of those yeah. driving factors? Yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes to change in behavior, the positive reinforcement is a lot more effective than negative reinforcement, um, like punishment and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Even if you just start to shift your mind, if you start recognizing when you miss it, I think that's the first step. Uh-huh. Like if you can think back during the day and think, oh, I missed this, I missed this, I missed this, then you're going to be more cognizant of it when it happens. And so then you can start um, reinforcing. Or even if you come back the next day and are like, hey, you know what? I noticed that you did this yesterday, and I really appreciate that. That's good. Or that's exactly what I've asked you to do. And if it's a day later, I think sometimes it has a bigger impact because it shows that you've been thinking of it, um, you know, beyond just that moment. So that's good. Bradley, uh, often as a parent, when they do something that they shouldn't do and you ask them, well, why did you do this? Oh, is is the answer you get. So if, if I'm saying, okay, I want to be curious, I want to figure out why they did it. And, and, when I ask them, they just give me a blank stare or an I don't know or something like that. What do you do? What do you do after that? Yeah. Um, so for uh, the, the kids with a traumatic background, that's probably an honest answer. They really might not know. Yeah, we've actually been told not. we've been told by a, a like a, a neuro. Um, yeah. Whoever reads brain MRIs with one of our daughters, like, just stop asking her why she did it. She really yeah. doesn't know. But, okay, go ahead for for normal kids, kids in the, the, <laughs> the range of normal. Yeah. So if they're saying, I don't know, then I I will sometimes just take a guess. Be like, huh, well, do you mind if I take a guess at it? I think that you were feeling this, 
And so your little brain told you that this was the best way to handle the situation. Huh. But do you remember what we've talked about? So if if they can't give you the answer, then I would I would take a stab at it. I would I would guess. And sometimes I think we know. Um, and so like there's been times where I've told my son what I think, and he's like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he'll come back. You know, maybe sometimes maybe by the end of the conversation. We'll, we'll come back around to, yes, I was actually right um, as to why that, why, you know, if he did what he did or was feeling something similar to what I said he was feeling. So if the kid doesn't know, I would take a pretty good educated guess and tell them why you think they, um, they used that behavior to try to accomplish whatever they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. And and so for teenagers, I think this gets even more complicated because there's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons why teenagers don't want to communicate why they mm-hmm. did something or, or, or what they did. What are a couple off the top of your head? What are a couple strategies if you're trying to work this with with a teenager um, who's just more complex and maybe not as communicative as as a little kid with what they're actually thinking or feeling? with a teenager you almost have to like pad their ego a little bit i think um it's such a difficult stage of life and self-esteem is so fragile that if you come at them with something they've done wrong a lot of times they just can't handle it because they their self-esteem maybe isn't strong enough that they can handle having done something wrong and think that they're still going to be loved or valuable mm. as a person um so and other times and good times and positive times like offering affirmation and then i would for a teenager i think i would try to have some other activity going on go for a walk go um like if if it's like a dad and a son or something like that like throw a football around like have some kind of like physical activity going on and then try to kind of bring up the conversation um yeah i think that that feels like you're more side by side than face to face. And I think that can be less threatening in a sense. Um, and sometimes it can be more disarming so you can kind of get more to the core of things. Yeah. This is, this is one of those suggestions where keeping a video game system in the house, isn't the worst idea in the world because if, if you can sit down and play a game with them where they don't have to look at your face, sometimes they'll open up Mm -hmm. a lot more. Yeah. Uh, any any other thought i think one of the other thoughts that i as you're talking um part of the reason i think that teenagers shut down a lot they are so full of emotion as it is you know they're just flooded with it um and a lot of times we bring so much extra emotion to the table when when they fail um when we're when trying to discipline and so i would just encourage people emotions um they're a tool in your toolbox of discipline, but it, sometimes emotions are a hammer, and sometimes what's called for is a screwdriver or a wrench. And um, when you use a hammer in every situation, you're going to cause a lot of damage. And so, as hard as it is, as exasperating as it is, yeah, uh, you got to swallow your emotion while you're dealing with um, their issues. Kind of like plumbing or uh, fixing fixing uh, uh, something on your car that like when I try to solve a plumbing issue and I'm a very amateur plumber in my house, the more angry and frustrated I get, the more I can guarantee I'm going to have a leaky pipe 
at the end of the job. And I think the same thing when you're trying to get to the core of an issue with a child, especially as they get older and more emotionally complex. Right. Right. And like, like you said, like just getting angry and just trying to hammer through and make whatever you want to stop, stop. It's just not effective. Um, and so maybe if you can keep that in mind, it can help you with the frustration. Um, so, I mean, we've had, we've had nights, we had one recently where it was bedtime, but some emotions got stirred up and that kind of thing. And I didn't want to deal with it then because I was tired. I was ready to go, go to bed. And I knew that we just had to process this out. We just had to talk it out. Like if I forced him to bed, then we were going to be up even later than if we just talked about it. And so we did. And I don't know, it was maybe about 30 minutes. And guess what? It boiled down to fear of what was going to happen the next day at school. Hmm. Yeah, so, so the thing is, sometimes these don't seem like the quickest way to get at something, but the truth is, in the long term, they really are. Because if, if, exactly. you're, yeah. if you're just dealing with the symptom and you're dealing with it with emotion, you're just you're shoving the root cause down deeper and deeper. And so, hey, I feel like, right. Bradley, you and I should start a podcast called Behavior Should Make You Curious, and we could just <laughs> go on with this stuff yeah. forever. But um, yeah. just to, to highlight a couple things I wrote down as you were talking, um, behavior serves a function, and the vast majority of, of behaviors are driven by, like these inappropriate behaviors are, are ultimately driven by fear of something or sadness with something. Um, and, uh, you want to ask, what are they getting out of it? What are you trying to get out of this? Um, and so, you know, when is this behavior happening? Um, what are they trying to communicate? And then if, if you can behavior, stopping the behavior isn't the ultimate goal. Character formation is, um, helping them understand communication in a safe environment is so, Hey, this has been great. And then next podcast Let's Parent on Purpose 46, we're going to talk about matching behavior to consequences. And I know it's a good one because we've already done it and uh, it's dynamite. And you'll want to stick around and or come back next week and listen to that. Bradley, you guys have done something um, to help free up some of your time um, from counseling the whole world to where you can put more special attention on your son. You and your wife have started a, a pretty innovative business. Will you Will you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly why we kind of figured along the way that um, counseling and working with traumatized kids all day was going to make it pretty hard to come home and parent traumatized kids and be able to give them like their needs emotionally and all that kind of thing. So as a fundraiser for our, our adoption, I started building furniture, um, and that really just kind of snowballed um, into – um, what's now more of our full-time business. Um, so actually about June when we got back from Ethiopia was about the way the timing worked out and I went full-time building furniture. And then we recently also had an opportunity to open up a little storefront kind of showroom. Um, so that's actually happening on Black Friday. Oh, that sounds... on Black Friday. Yes, we're speaking in the past tense now. I bet that was... I bet yeah. it was a, an amazing Black Friday day, so... So the name of your company is Redirected Wood Company, is that right? That's right. All right. And uh, you have a website and a Facebook page. Uh, tell them if they want to look at your stuff. And I would highlight, like, it's beautiful woodwork. Um, and if you want to give something that's meaningful in a number of ways, it's a unique uh, handcrafted item, and it's helping a family redeem 
this uh, beautiful young man uh, that you should check out Redirected Wood Company. Where can they do that, Bradley? Yes, you can do it at uh, www.redirectedwoodco.com or search in Redirected Wood Company on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, we're gearing up for the holidays. Yeah, uh, and and in addition to that, if you go to letsparentonpurpose.com, uh, there'll, there'll be a pop-up window, and I've created a meaningful gift guide if you're looking for unique Christmas ideas um, to buy for people from children through adults. And um, I've, I've got uh, their website linked on there. In addition to that, we are doing for those, and part of this is because we're trying to build our email subscriber list, um, Bradley, we're going to be giving away one of your beautiful, uh, handmade cutting boards to somebody who joins our subscriber list over the next couple of weeks. So go to letsparentonpurpose.com. You'll see a beautiful example of their cutting board. If you sign up for the email list, um, you get a chance to win one for free. And beyond that, I just encourage you to spend all your money this Christmas at redirected wood, um, <laughs> Hey, Bradley, thank you so much. I really look forward to uh, this next interview coming up. And um, I just invite our, our listeners to pray for Bradley and his wife, Brittany, and uh, their little son as well um, as he adjusts to massively different culture. So thank you so much, Bradley. Thanks for having me. All right. Man, that was a little bit longer, but I felt like I was in a personal counseling session, so I hope you enjoyed listening in. Um, a lot of great stuff in there. I'm going to recover the the basics of it on letsparentonpurpose.com. I encourage you to go there, letsparentonpurpose.com, as well as checking out uh, the meaningful Christmas gift list that I've put together. This is Jay Holland. Uh, this is a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come worship with us. And uh, again, check out Redirected Wood Company. Just Google that, Redirected Wood Company. I can't remember the website. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're having a great holiday season. Uh, And remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Jesus loves you no matter how you did on parenting today. Bye-bye.